Well, good morning. Greetings in Jesus' precious name. It's good to be here, worshiping with you all this morning. Have you ever looked into God's Word, and God's Word just gripped you, and you trembled when you realize what God is asking you to do, or what, or maybe suddenly something new stood out to you and said, you know, I've not been doing that. You know, as I was looking into God's Word and I, and I, for a message this morning, and I never looked at the Sunday school lesson this morning, by the way, so this morning we opened our books was the first time I looked at it. And that's not uncommon when I'm scheduled to preach. I don't usually spend a whole lot of time on the Sunday school lesson. I'm working on the message, right? But as I looked at the Sunday school lesson this morning, and I can say I trembled at the responsibility that God gave us, the responsibility God gave to the church, the responsibility God gave to the elders of the church. Not just to the elders, though, it's to everybody. You know, we're all elders in one way or the other. God has asked us in different um, different areas of life that God has given to us. We all have different responsibilities. But you know, this morning I like to say that we all have responsibilities. Not a Christian here this morning, not a Christian around the world can go through life with no responsibilities. We all carry a responsibility to carry the word wherever we go. We're all responsible to, to, to let our light shine so before men, Jesus said, that others can see. That's not quoted exactly right, but you know where I'm at. It is our responsibility to lead others to the Lord. The Bible says in season and out of season. This morning I consider this to be in season. Worshiping with a group of believers is in season. But you know, there's times when sharing God's word may seem a bit out of season sometimes. But the Bible says we're still to do that. We're to share the word in season and out of season. So I want to start out this morning with a few questions for you as a congregation. The message title is Works by Faith. The Lord laid this message on my heart a while back already. I was thinking of, when I was thinking about the message here, and usually when I go to other churches, it's kind of nice I can take the message that was preached before at Raleigh and share it at the church, but God said, no, I got a new one for you this morning. So, works by faith. So, first question this morning, do you believe and understand that faith is important to live the Christian life? Do we grasp that? Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So there's our answer. And I think we all know that this morning, that unless we have faith, there's no way we're going to be able to worship God. Because how are you going to believe that he is? Who here this morning has seen God? Who here this morning has seen, has, has witnessed? Yeah, we could all say, well, we've witnessed the works of God. Yes, we have. But who has seen God? We believe it by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to, to, to please him. Okay. The next question is, do you believe that works are important? Do you believe that works are important? 
Well, James 2.20 says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Does that answer that question? So we've got to have faith to please God, but we've got to have works because if we don't have works, the faith is dead. Now, I want, to, I want to be very clear this morning. This is not talking about a self-righteous works, things that we do to earn our salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But the Bible, these two verses make it very clear that we need to have both. We need faith and then works. I've known people in my time, and I'm sure you have too, who try to work out their salvation by faith, by good work. I mean, I'm sorry, by good works. They say, I have done all these things. And they keep track of it. Brothers and sisters, a Christian does not ever need to keep track of his works. God does that. We never need to keep track of what we've done. Jesus said that even a cup of cold water given in his name is not going to go unnoticed in the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? Nothing is going to go unnoticed. Nothing that you have done. And anything you do in the name of the Lord will be added to your account. But I think as Christians, we don't need to think back and think, what all have I done? But is it okay sometimes to reflect on what God has done for you? That's okay. But don't sit back, and I don't think we do, don't sit back and think, I have done this and this and this. Wow. That's not for us to do. God keeps track. We don't, God keeps record. We don't need to. So we see here this morning, according to these two verses I read, I believe for a Christian these two cannot be separated. Brothers and sisters, I believe if you have faith, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and you believe that you're a servant of the kingdom, and you believe that you're going to heaven when you die, I believe the works are going to follow. Yes, does it take effort sometimes? Do you sometimes have to apply a little pressure to do some works, you know? I think about all the work it did to get this building to where it is today. The first time I set foot in this building, it looked, it looked pretty rough. It took a lot of work to get this building to where it is today. And I think I understand that the mission committee, whoever was in charge of this, had to apply some pressures occasionally to get people to come and help, okay? And that, that's the way we are. We like to sometimes sit back and take it easy and we had to get a little pressure to get us here. By the way, you can turn your Bibles to James chapter 2. We'll be, we'll be reading out James chapter 2 for a while. But I believe that, you know, a Christian is going to have works that are going to follow his faith. And I believe this morning that if we have the kind of faith that we like to claim that we have, that faith had better be changing our life. It changes our direction. It changes our thinking. You are no longer the same person. You know, when you dedicate your life to the Lord, you no longer belong to yourself. You now belong to God. And God directs your steps. God directs your life. You're no longer, you're no longer in charge. You see, the biggest problem with, the biggest, what's the word I want to use? Not the biggest problem, biggest issue in the Christian life normally, the biggest stumbling block is self. See, once we get ourselves out of the way, God can work. See, too often we're in the way and God just, is God big enough to remove you? Yes, he will. Yes, he can. But God wants you to have the choice. And so most of the time, we need to step aside and let God go. That's what we need to do, right? Let God work. Too often, we stand in the way. So I want to talk this morning about works by faith.
And I don't know where your mind goes when you think of works by faith, but the Bible has a lot to say about it, a lot to say about it. And James chapter 2, obviously, is a chapter that talks a lot about works and faith. James 2.18 says, Yeah, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. So this morning, how are you known? If I would talk to your neighbors about you, and no, don't, don't go pre-warn them. I'll go talk to them myself, okay? Thankfully, I don't know who most of your neighbors are, so you are safe, okay? But if I go talk to your neighbors, and what are they going to tell me? Are they going to know that you're a Christian, and how are they going to know? Are they going to know, oh, yeah, they dress different. Is that all they know? Or is there something else about you that sets you apart? You know, I believe as Christians we need to dress separate from the world. I believe that with all my heart. But let's just say for a moment that we would all, the whole world would dress the same. Everybody dressed the same every day. Would you still stand apart the way you do now? Or do you depend somewhat on your dress to set you apart? You know, would you still, would you, would you still stick out like a sore thumb, if you will? Or is it because of your dress that you said that you were set apart? Just a question. Just a question. You know, Jesus said we will know people by their fruits. How do people know you? Are we bearing good fruit for the Lord? That's works. Works is fruit. Okay? Jesus said we will know people by their fruit. We can all think of people who have a great faith. I, when I was studying for this message, I think there's a couple people come to mind that I thought about, I think these people just have a great faith. How do I know that? Or what, what, what led me to believe that that person has a great faith? It's by their works. It's what I see in their life. It's how I see them conducting their lives is I know they have a great faith. They believe. They believe the word. They show up by what they do. They show up by how they live. They show up by how they talk. And I think they show up by how they think because how they think is how they talk, okay? It's all part of the works, all part of the works package. I know people by their fruit. I know, a lot, I, know, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people very, very closely. But some people who I don't know as close, I observe their fruits. What, what am I seeing? And I can very soon see who they worship. It doesn't take long at all. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't take long to see where somebody's mind is. It doesn't take long at all. Is it, is it enough just to have a head knowledge of God? That's not enough. I made this statement earlier. It must show in our lives and it must change our lives. I dare say this morning that if the Word of God has not changed your life, then you're not where God wants you to be yet. The Word of God must change and shape you and it will change your direction. Because I don't care who you are here this morning. That doesn't sound very good, does it? I care who you are. But I don't care who you are or where you came from. You did not come from a background of such as when God entered your heart that you didn't change your direction. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. You know, that's what the church is made up of, right? Is the church not made up of sinners saved by grace? Would you all agree this morning that's who you are? A sinner saved by grace. That's why you're here, because you've been saved. If you're not saved, you have no desire to come to church. So we're all sinners saved by grace. That's who we are. 
jump to the next verse, James 2.19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. Now remember the question I asked earlier, is it enough to have a head knowledge of God? James 2.19 says, I believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Does it do the devils any good to understand that God exists? The devils have a head knowledge of God. Satan has a head knowledge of God. Does it do him any good? And brothers and sisters, if we have a head knowledge of God and don't do anything about it, or maybe I should say if we have a head knowledge of God and don't allow Him to do something about it, it's God who changes, it's not us. But if we have a head knowledge only, it's not going to do us any good. I've made this statement before at Raleigh Springs various times. Brother Joe probably knows where I'm going with this. I think a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. That is basically the distance from your head to your heart. There's a lot of people that have a head knowledge of God. They know God exists. They, may even, they, they might know the Word, but they don't do anything about it. They don't let the Word of God grip them and change them. You know, when I was, in, I was involved in prison ministry for a number of years, and I tell you what, brothers and sisters, if you want to exercise your, your knowledge of the Word, go into prison sometime with the Bible, a lot of those people know the Bible way better than what I do. I mean, they, they can quote Scripture upon Scripture upon Scripture. They have a lot of time on their hands. See, they don't have to work for a living like we do. So they have a lot more time. And they know the word. Okay? And so if you want to exercise your faith, go and be involved in prison ministry. And boy, I tell you what, they will throw questions at you. As they did at me anyways, they're really hard to answer. They have a lot of time on their hands. But you know, a lot of those people had a, had a head knowledge of God. But that's all the further it went. They did not let God's word change them in any shape or form. They knew about God. They knew what the word said. They even knew about Jesus. They knew Jesus died on the cross for the sins of mankind, but they didn't allow it to change them. That's a head knowledge. It's not a heart knowledge. So this morning I ask you, do you have a heart knowledge of the Lord? Or is it just up here in your head? That's why I say a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. They know about it, but that's all the further it goes. Where are you at this morning? There must be more than a head knowledge of God. There must be more than a knowledge that God exists. It's got to go way deeper than that. The next verse, James 2.20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? I read that verse in the introduction. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So is faith enough to get you there? Is that all you need? Well, it says here, faith without works is dead. It's pretty clear to me here that unless our lives show through faith, it starts by faith, that's how we get saved, unless our lives show our faith by our works, it's dead. It's a dead faith. And brothers and sisters, that's a serious offense right there. A dead faith. Do you want to stand before God with the accusation hanging over your head? Do you have a dead faith? You, and and I, think, I think the dead faith is probably the head knowledge of God. You know, we have a head knowledge. We know God exists. We're aware of it. But we do nothing with it. It doesn't change us. I think that's a dead faith. I think that's a dead faith. The next verse, 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Okay, he was justified by works. Okay. When he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar... Seest thou how faith wrought his works, or how faith uh, directed his works, be the word we use today. Seest thou how faith directed his works, and by works was made perfect. 
Now, I want to look at that account. It's a familiar account. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. It's a very familiar account. We know how Abraham was tested. We know what happened. But, you know, God... Well, let's just go ahead and read here. Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee in the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, sat on his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. God was asking a very, very difficult thing from his servant Abraham. But we see what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? It says he arose early in the morning. What was going through Abraham's mind through all this time? I don't know. I can't imagine what was going through Abraham's mind. If God asked you to sacrifice one of your children, what, what would be going through your mind? And this was his only son. God said, take thine son, thine only son. So what could Abraham have been thinking? I don't, we, the, the Bible does not record any thoughts Abraham had. But what the Bible does record is what he did. The Bible records the works of Abraham. And his works were a result of his faith. Abraham obeyed God because he was used to doing that. Abraham trusted God through all this. Did Abraham know the outcome? I don't know that he did. The Bible doesn't tell us that. So I don't think he did. I think Abraham went strictly on faith. And Abraham believed God and he obeyed God. Or else we wouldn't have that verse in the New Testament when it says, Abraham, her father, was justified by works. You know, if Abraham would have said, you know, yes, God, I would do that if you would ask me to. This was real. He had to do it. God asked him to do it. Jump down to verse 9. And they came to the place where God told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And we know the rest of the story. God stopped him right there. If God had not stopped him, would Abraham have carried it out? I think he would have. He was on, he was on a mission to obey God. Did, did, he, did he not have a father's heart? Didn't he care? Sure he did. But you know, we have this story to prove that Abraham trusted God. He had faith. And he carried out whatever God asked him to do. I ask you and I this morning, if God is asking us to do something in our life that seems just really difficult, it just seems like, you know, this is just not going to work. God, you just don't understand what you're asking me to do. I can't do this. Do we have the faith to carry on? Do we have faith that God's going to carry us through? Or do you think God can't handle your little problem or my little problem? You know, most of the time, and I'm not saying that y'all have probably been through a lot more than I have in my life. I don't know. But, you know, most of the time when God asks us to go through something and we go through it and we're faithful and we turn around and look back later on, it wasn't near as bad as, as, as we thought it was going to be when we looked into it, right? God will help us. And God helped Abraham. All right, back to James chapter 2 again. <clears throat> so we got the, the recording of Abraham there. 
How different would that story be if Abraham would have chosen not to follow through? If he'd have said, God, I prayed for this son for all these years. I'm not doing it. How different the story would be. We wouldn't have the story of Abraham and his faithfulness. All right, James 2, we're going to back up just a little bit. Verse 14. James 2, verse 14, here's a question. What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? That's a valid question. If a person says he has faith, but he has nothing to back it up, there's no work showing it. Or how about this? If you know a person, I'm sure you do, if you know a person that claims to be a Christian, but their life shows otherwise, what do you believe? Do you believe what he or she tells you, or do you believe what you see? I mean, what, what, you know, what are you going to go by? If somebody's life shows that they are not a Christian, but they tell you they are, and yes, I know my mind, goes, my mind goes to a person like that when I talk about this. They claim to be a Christian. They claim you're right with God. But their fruits are completely otherwise. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food... And one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which need to the body. What does the prophet? Even so, faith, if it has not worked, is dead, being alone. Once again, we need that combination. So let's look at these verses just a little bit closer. So back up to verse 14, we have the question, is faith enough? Well, you can look, turn to Matthew 7, 26. It says, Jesus says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, that is the head knowledge of God and doing nothing with it, that is knowing of the word and doing nothing about it, not letting it grip your heart and letting it change your heart, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man, which of you in here wants to be called a foolish man or a woman. We like to be looked at as a wise person, right? You want to be known as a foolish person? Well, Jesus said, if you look on his word and it doesn't change you, you're going to be looked at as a foolish man or a foolish woman. So be like in a foolish man who's built a house upon a sand. Most of you in here know a little bit about building houses. I, do a lot of, I, I dig a lot of foundation for houses. And if we're digging foundation for a house and we hit something soft, guess what we do? We dig down until we hit something hard. We want something solid to build that house on. And Jesus is using that illustration for our Christian life. So we have, the question, we have the question, is faith enough? Now verse 15. If a brother or sister, if there is a visible need. I want to ask you this morning, and you look around, not just in church this morning, but you look around your lives, the people, who have, the people who you impact. How many needs are you aware of? How many needs are you made aware of on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that there's needs out there that you have the wherewithal to meet? It says, if a brother or sister be naked, let me find that verse again. Your brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food. We have visible needs. Needs that we have the abilities to supply if, if we do nothing about them and we say we have a faith. 1 John 3.17 says this, Whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? 
The verse here is simply saying that if we see a visible need, where there's a need that we're clearly aware of, and we do nothing about it, the question is thrown at you, at me, how dwelleth the love of God in us? My little children, verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Now when the Bible is saying this, it's not saying we should not love in word or in tongue, but it's not only, okay? Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let us show our love by what we do. Show your love by your works. Don't just tell people you love them, okay? Don't tell people. Verse, verse 16, one of you saying to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. What good does it do? If you don't give them the things that are needful to the body. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things that are needful to the body. What doth it profit? And then verse 17, we've got that question again. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead. So is your faith this morning alive or dead? What do you consider it to be? What do you want it to be? If you look at your life, but I know I told you this morning, we shouldn't look back at our life and say, look at all the things that I did. But if you take a tally of your life, what are you doing for the Lord? What are you doing? This morning... As I, was, as I usually do Sunday mornings, I like to go for a little walk in the woods and just enjoy nature. And I was walking to the woods there and just, just, I was just thinking about, of course I was thinking about the message. And I was just thinking, what am I doing for God? Am I doing enough? Am I doing everything God's calling me to do? Or in my business of life, is there things that I am pushing out that God wants me to do? And how about you this morning? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Let's turn the Bible to Matthew 25. Jesus spoke, Jesus spoke about this as well in a parable. Matthew 25, we'll start reading at verse 34. Talking about works here now. Now I want you to notice as we look at, these, look at this parable here, faith is not mentioned. This is works we're, this is works we're reading about here, okay? Matthew 25, verse 34. Actually, let's do verse 33. 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was a hungry you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee, thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, saying unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. At least of these, my brethren. Brothers and sisters, are we taking every opportunity we have to share the love of God? It doesn't have to be. You don't have to walk the streets of Harrisonburg with the Bible preaching. You'll probably actually get less people that way than if you go down and you help people on the level that they are. You know, people want the help on the level that they need it at. 
It might, it might just be, it might be a meal, it might be a kind word, it might, I don't know what, I don't know what the needs are that God puts in front of you. But you know, God uses his people to supply the needs of other people. That's how it works. And you know, are our eyes open? Do we see it? Do you have a faith like that? You know, the group of people that's mentioned here in Matthew 25, what made them do these things? We can say, well, that sounds like a faith religion right there. That's not what it is. The, the, uh, the things that these people did here, they fed, they gave drinks, they gave clothing. That was a result of their faith. They just did it. They didn't even realize when God gave them all, when God told them what all they had done, they didn't remember it because they just lived their life by faith. That's all they did. It came natural. They exercised 1 John 3, 17 and 18. But whoso has his world's good and sees his brother have a need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but need in truth. The people in the group of people here in Matthew 25, they lived that out. They lived it out. They didn't talk it. They did it. There's a big difference. So if we talk a lot about works this morning, and I don't want us to get the idea, I don't want you going away from here that works are sufficient to secure our salvation. I hope I didn't come across that way this morning. And I trust that I did not. And I trust that you know. We're saved by grace through faith. Okay? We know that. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's a gift. Okay? Not of works, lest any man should boast. How well does God know mankind? How well does God know mankind? You know, if our salvation came by works, imagine the pride that would go along with that. The human tendency is to be proud of our accomplishments. We like to be proud of what we do. We like to be recognized. And so I could stand up this morning saying that I got my salvation because of all this and this and this and this. That's not, that's not how salvation came. We're all in the same boat. The playing field is dead level. Not a one of us has a better access to heaven than the other person does. It's all through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And it's by faith. We get it through faith. And because of faith, our works will come. I hope they do. If, work, if good works don't come through our faith, maybe we better reevaluate where we are. You know, I know how it is. Our life gets pretty busy. And sometimes we don't do the things that we find that we should be doing. But it's faith and then works. It has to be in that order. We can't reverse it. It's not works and faith. It's faith then works. So back up to my first two questions again in conclusion. Do you understand? Do I understand? Do we understand that faith is important to live the Christian life? In Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is Okay, do you believe that? That he is a rewarder of them that diligently, diligently seek him. Not only is faith important, it's the only way. And then the next question again, do you believe works are important? Well, we, we can read Matthew 25, or, uh, Matthew 25 again. Do you believe works are important? That's how those people were recognized. They're recognized by their works through their faith. James 2.20, What thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. That's serious business. 
Do you want to stand before God with a living faith or be accused of having a dead faith? What will it be? The choice is yours and ours. Brother John, you want me to close the service? Sure. Okay. Let's have a closing song.